Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too, and I'll be right there behind you. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome to The Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast from The Consequence Podcast Network. I'm your host today, Editor-in-Chief Michael Rothman, and things are getting a little creepy. We've been teasing it for a whole year, if not more, given when it was first announced, but we're talking about Shudder's Creepshow, finally. Yes, we've talked about it in the news. We went, uh, we revisited Creepshow 3 last week, uh, much to our chagrin and much to your chagrin, probably, because you had to sit through it, and it actually happened to be shorter than the movie itself, which is a record for the Losers Club. But I'm not alone here talking about Creepshow. I'm uh, sitting around in the halls of Horlicks University, and I'm here with... This is Lara Unterstahl. I'm an intermittent loser on the Losers Club, and I'm here today to get creepy. Oh, get creepy indeed. And who is to your right? This is Isha. Grab me a can of that Harrow's Premium. And I'm (laughs) back after... hmm, I don't even remember the last one I did, but... It's probably... Was it Dark Tower, maybe? Me. I feel like I did something recently. I don't really remember. I'm old, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember too because this is it's it's you like to go on the book episodes too. So yeah. This year has been a very um, weird year for us because we've just jumped from like a book episode to an interview to news to a random thing that like popped up. So it's been a, a very weird season for the Losers Club just because we've had so many different weird opportunities that um, pop up at random. So. Didn't get to cover that many books in 2019, the year of 19, but we covered it, I think, a lot, and mm-hmm. I was glad to move on from that. But we're talking creep show today, and I wanted to pose a question before we actually head into the classroom. What is your first uh, experience or you know, um, first memories with Creep Show or Creep Show Two? <laughs> if you really want to go there, Creep Show Three. Good lord! You know, I should have anticipated this question, but I did not. Uh, I, I feel like I saw Creep Show when I was a kid at some point, and, I, and when I say kid, that could be anywhere from ages you know, 10 to 16, as far as I'm good. you know, it all becomes a blur after a certain point. But I definitely saw it, and I feel like I probably saw it on like WGN at night or some random thing like that where it was a TV edit. Uh, but I, I do remember enjoying it. And, you know, this was around the same time that we were all watching like Tales from the Crypt oh, yeah, and, yeah. and that kind of thing. So I was primed for enjoying that kind of content. Um, and I did. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> what about you? Uh, so for Creepshow in particular, to be honest, I didn't know about it until I started seeing trailers for mm. Shudder's uh, premiere, and then I got asked for this. So I went back and I watched the other two, and it kind of fits to my, like, I have a, a small little space in my heart for uh, B-movies, like really yeah. hokey, mm-hmm. kind of cheesy horror movies. Not all. There's a special <laughs> kind of hokiness to it. Yep. I did not particularly love the Creepshow ones, but I like was entertained a little bit by mm-hmm. it. Um, but I didn't watch number three, so. Well, that's a good thing, uh, as we talked about last week. And honestly, we can go deep dive on Creepshow, and I would probably like to do that, honestly, because I, I just really love this movie. It's an ultimate, ultimate sleepover. It's an ultimate Friday rental. 
Uh, great film to catch. It's like three in the morning, and we screened it actually last year at our Greetings from Castle Rock, our first film festival at uh, the Music Box in Chicago. And the vibe was just contagious. I mean, I still think that there's something about this kind of old school horror and this format and this medium that really speaks to audiences. And I think it really works well uh, in theaters. And I think with Shutter being this sort of uh, you know, meeting place for, you know, horror hounds and, and, um, the, you know, the, the monster squads and stuff, uh, out there. It's kind of a perfect brand, uh, for, you know, Shudder to get on board with. And, you know, if you, you know, just for reference, if you wanted a, you know, real big deep dive into Creepshow 1 and 2, you can go back to our 2017 episode in which, uh, the guests from the New Flesh podcast, um, uh, Brett and Joe actually joined, uh, I believe it was me, Randall and Justin on that episode, but it's, it's a fun one. We ranked actually every installment in both creep show one and two. And I believe we settled on the crate for being the, the top, uh, story with the raft maybe being like right after that. Um, but, but, and you know, if looking back though, what was your favorite one, especially since you just recently watched it, which one really stuck out to you? I actually enjoyed the raft. Yeah. Now is that's the one where, cause I'm terrible with names where they're out in the middle of the lake oh, yeah. and that, yeah. And that weird oily thing is like coming for them. Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's so, I, I love like old school, like, uh, effects and things like that. Like watching and seeing like, cause if, I'm also a Dark Crystal fan, and you know how you think of that yeah. kind of stuff. Them doing those things back then and how, like, realistic that was mm-hmm. at the time. I mean, like, it's really impressive. And I kind of felt the drama, but also I was like, this is a cheesy 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the raft is so effective, too, because it, it actually comes from the Skeleton Crew. So it wasn't actually even written for... Uh, Creep Show, which was, you know, unlike the first one where it was just like specific for um, that movie. And it's just so funny how the raft just like took over because there is just something so eh, relatable about that story because, you know, we all go on the lakes. We all have that that feeling of like, oh, my God, nobody's coming. And the body horror in that one always stuck with me. So if, honestly, like if you want to go back to like Skeleton Crew and reread this short story, it's really okay. dark, dark. Like, I mean, when you see the one guy get dragged through the wood on the on the raft, yeah. like in the book, he's actually being dragged for like hours. And he's just like mm. slowly his in, in, like uh, he's just taken through this the little seeps. The, or the I can't little, imagine having to watch that too. Yeah. Like or yeah. part of me in my head was kind of like why are they not like jumping off the raft while their friend is I, getting I know. killed? Because I'm sorry if you're going to be already dead and I can't save you I'm sorry. I'm yeah. Sorry. And that, oh, and that, yeah. And 100%. That, and that kind of like relatability of it and just figuring out like what would I do is kind of what I love about anthology horror because it's just you know that's what parables should be i feel like they should be something that you can kind of put yourself into because that's kind of what parables are really they're supposed to be these sort of i mean going back to like the canterbury tales there are these sort of warnings they're supposed to be these things that you're supposed to take lessons with you so the raffon always stuck with me i mean even though i love the crate just because i love adrian Barbeau in it i love how holbrook um i also love the fact that like the original creep show the average age is like I don't know what, 45 maybe. And there's something about watching adults deal with horror that just kind of sticks with me a little bit. It's kind of scary. Yeah. It's better than just teens, standard issue teens. Yeah. Yeah. Kids possessed. Yeah. If you had to choose a favorite though. I'm going to be honest. I did not rewatch, uh, 
the original creep show before recording this tonight and it's it's been a little too long for me to give a good honest answer i have like it's like all these muddied memories of it at this point i yeah. actually wanted to rewatch it before tonight but it wasn't it's i thought it was on shutter and i tried to play it on shutter and i got an error so i don't know you know if, if shutter's listening shutter.com yeah shutter.com that's where i yeah. watched it too <laughs> yeah yeah it said said this this video is lost in the void and i was like yeah. damn it i'm not paying 2.99 for this on Amazon Prime. So I just watched, I watched a bit of Creep Show too. And, and I just was like, all right, that's going to cover my basis for tonight. Cause, you know, so I, I, I do, I do like the raft one. And I, I remember liking the crate. And the, I mean, there's the king's appearance with like his hand getting cut mm-hmm. off thing, which yeah. is funny. And, but my memories of it are so like uh, patchwork at this point that I'm not going to try to rank it. I'm sorry to disappoint. That is totally fine. That is totally that. fine. And honestly, yeah, I did thought, it, I find it weird that uh, Shutter, they used to have. Creep Show, and then they they only have Creep Show Two, which mm. you know Creep Show Two. There's nothing wrong with it. I just think that by scaling down to three stories and making mm. them a little longer, it lost some of those sort of yeah. comic book flavor. Totally, it did. But why did they drop it down? Do you I know? they it was budget right? Yeah, it was mm. budget. Like originally, there was supposed to be um, uh, a zombie bowling Ooh. joking, like a comedy one that they was going to have that was in there. Um, and Were then they, they like cut it. bowling with their heads, like I think so. I'm, I'm yeah. Shutter, that's bring what it was. that one back. Yeah. Which, yeah. which honestly would have been, which would have worked because there's not a lot of humor in the in Creep Show mm. too. Like they're really dark stories. Yeah. Um, which in hindsight I kind of like in a little bit, but there's something about the first one where you can go from like the the birthday, you know, happy birthday, you know, birthday, the, the cake in there, and then all of a sudden go to like watching King in this very comical mm-hmm. uh, take on like Colorado Space or something like that. But yes. Um, um, so anyway, we're not talking about the first two. We're not talking about the third. We're talking about Shutter's Creep Show, and God, uh, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting project we have here. Greg Nicotero, who actually visited the set when he was uh, little, the original one, is taking over, and um, you could read all about the production history on my cover story on Consequence of Sound. The Creep Show must go on, uh, and they what, basically what I got out of it because I visited the set back in March um, when they were still filming. Uh, some of the later episodes, they were just about, they're about 80% done with the entire production, but you can tell that this was just a really fast production. Um, and let's talk about that production in a section we're going to call Horlicks University. <laughs> I guess he got his chance. I totally guess he yeah. did. Yeah. I, I can't do anything for you unless you stop being so goddamn elliptical. Now, just slow down. Tell me the whole story from the beginning. Can you do that? Oh, all right. I think I could do that now. Now, to pick up what I was just saying is that this is not a very big, elaborate production, uh, you know, like you would think with most of the Stephen King titles that are out there right now. This is a very fast-paced production. Uh, they leaned very heavily on uh, practical effects. They were all shot on sets for the most part. Uh, they had maybe two or three days to actually film these episodes. Okay. Uh, and while talking to um, some of the creators that were actually at, there on set, um, like Greg Nicotero, who's running and shepherding this entire thing, or Tom Savini, who, uh, you know, obviously is the big makeup effects guru from, you know, the, the, the 70s and 80s and today, um, basically created the, the modern effects as we know it, um, especially in the horror genre. They all were, you know, coming from a place of love. 
And I think that, you know, a lot of the, the, this production is fueled by that appreciation for the source material. And I think when they saw what was going on with like Creepshow 3, I think, you know, Greg Nicotero really wanted to go back to his, you know, salad days. Like he, you know, he was a kid when he was on Day of the Dead, which was also directed by, you know, George Romero. And so with this, you know, he is trying to be homage to what was already an homage, you know, because the the original 1982 anthology film Mm -hmm. is an homage to the EC comics that King and George Romero grew up with. And so we're seeing this like homage and of homage. And for me, I definitely see the heart of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's something that I appreciate, um, you know, watching this, you know, this production, but I also see the limitations that these three day shoots had and, Mm. you know, and I think that's kind of works against it a little bit. It does give some context to like, yeah, a few things I was, it it really does. I I, I'm curious if the, the fast paced shoots were a budgetary thing. I mean, usually, you know, shutter as great. I mean, I love shutter and I think they do a lot of really great, great work, but I don't think they have, the big bucks mm. of uh, even of like a Netflix or an Amazon yeah. to do these kind of productions. So if if the I'm curious if the fast paced production was a result of that. And I'm also really curious about the tension between doing practical effects and doing fast shoots because you know like if you if you go back to you know the the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street or the thing. I mean just the, co- the all the the interviews I've heard with like um, uh, Rob. Bo- Rob Botin. Botin. Bo- I think Bo- it is. Bo- Rob. Botin. I always say Rob Botin. Yeah, it's I think. It's, I think it's. Bo- it's yeah, <laughs> you know, like I mean, I just I was just for the hell of it watching some YouTubes of of him talking about like he spent a year uh, like sleeping on set to create a lot of those practical effects. Like, and you know, of course, he had like a workshop of like thirty five people, but like you know, there's people running mechanical apparatuses and stuff. So I'm curious, like the tension between three-day shoots to turn around these segments and they're sticking practical effects into the middle of it. Like, what was that like? I, that makes me really wonder. And and honestly, that's that's where it, it, it really feels like just walking through that set, it felt like, oh my God, it, it, it's just the greatest hits assembly of what they had already done. I mean, I, yeah. I was walking through one set after another of things that I've noticed in the in these two episodes mm-hmm. that we, you know, or in this one episode that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, I mean, it looked like a playground for, you know, yeah. practical effects, which is great. And there's Super something fun. charming about it. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Can't imagine, especially for a gray matter, I would love to yeah. be in the- Yeah. Yeah, they the, fly so, on the wall. So yeah. the the gray matter set was it was actually interesting. So uh, for context, we're talking about last night's episode, the first episode, tonight's episode, maybe mm-hmm. depends on when we're actually going to be dropping this episode. <laughs> uh, but the first episode, the the season premiere, series premiere, actually is going to be covering two stories. Uh, the first is Gray Matter by Stephen King, which appears in Night Shift. So, uh, and originally it was rumored to be Survivor Type, which is actually off of Skeleton Crew. So that would have been another um, story that they took from there for the Creepshow name. But they went with Gray Matter, which is one of my for, you know personal favorite stories um, from the Night Shift collection. Uh, and then they also did um, The House of the Head, mm-hmm. and, which is by Josh Mallerman, who I believe wrote Bird Box, yeah, um, really? I oh. saw that. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. So, so we've <laughs> yes. some two heavy hitters here. Um, and I did when I, while walking around the set, I got to see the the little dollhouse, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Didn't see the set for the bedroom, but I did see the set for Gray Matter. Um, and I think for me, it was hard 
to separate knowing that it was a set and then also wow. seeing the exterior, you see this large house. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, it was for me, it was a, a little weird having the separation, but I mean, they built literally everything, um, you know, with their hands and put it all together, yeah. which mm-hmm. for me, there's, there's some sort of appreciation. There's a huge, oh, yeah. there's a lot, a lot of appreciation for that, but I mean, something's missing. Oh yeah. And, 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 you know, we were talking about the idea that like they have the aesthetic, you know, they're trying to keep the, the you know, or they're trying to get the aesthetic, you know, they're trying to keep the, the EC comics thing where you see the page turning, mm-hmm. you have the cells occasionally, mm-hmm. you know, it cuts to the creep who's, you know, with the, the reds and the blues. What are our thoughts with, with how they nailed that though? To be honest. Okay. So if in a general scheme, well, no, no, let me break this down. In the first one, I'm not going to get into de- too many details. Since yeah, yeah, because we're going later. to heroes and villains. I stuff, pretty much enjoyed that one for like the visuals, and I thought like the storyline had potential, but I, the, like the writing for me seemed very lost. I mm-hmm. kind of yes. was like restarting it to figure out if I missed something, and then like there were all these like veiled or badly veiled like. Uh, attempts to like lead to what's going to happen, yeah. and I just like the the interaction between Mrs. Parmley and uh, what's his name, Jimmy, Timmy, Timmy, little Timmy, little, little Jimmy, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy Timmy, <laughs> yeah, little Jim Tins. That kind of just was like I don't know. It kind of just I I see them trying to be silly about or throw that comedic tone, but it just didn't work for me. Yeah, yeah. I, and that's that was exactly the feeling I got. I felt like they were they were aiming for camp, but they didn't go far enough. And I have this complaint about like a lot of media where they kind of they kind of start to go for that. Like this one, that you know the way he talked and stuff. He's like, "Well, my daddy just mm-hmm. yeah. oh boy, and I just daddy. love him. I love my daddy and stuff." But like they didn't <laughs> they didn't like push it far enough. Like I mean, to me, I was getting like Tim and Eric's uh, bedtime stories vibes. <laughs> yeah. But like I wanted them to like, go for that because like if you're gonna, I mean, it is hard at this point in like 2019 to do a, an anthology show that, like you said, is an homage to an homage. Like, but I didn't feel like they were bringing any kind of like new vision to it mm-hmm. and and the the elements of you know where you have that comic book opener there was just something that felt like a little too familiar a little too stale you know and then and then the way that they brought that into the live action felt a little half baked like mm-hmm. As he's opening the beers and it's like, and they do the little like yeah. onomatopoeia, like, uh, uh, like so, you mm. know, lower thirds with that. And it's there. almost like Batman. But, yeah. but it was like, what is that adding to it? Like, we, like, is that just like, oh, let's not forget, like, we're in a comic book world. Like, it just didn't, again, it just exactly. felt like they could have pushed it further. Cause again, you know, like, if you look, at the original creep show, which we were just talking about all those, you know, the really heavy effects of, you know, and the giallo lighting and the yeah. like swirls and everything like they really leaned into that, that stylized effect. And this just feels like they put one foot in and just didn't get quite get there. But And, and that's honestly my, I, I agree. I echo mm-hmm. those sentiments for sure. Because I mean, like, I mean, I'm pulling out the, the original creep mm-hmm. show one that they did an adaptation for, for the movie and you look at these cells and they are the cells from the movie, mm. you yeah. know, like when they pan over and you go, I mean, for gray matter, you know, they, they flip through, they give the context of the hurricane cause all these things would be way too expensive to kind of show. <laughs> yeah. so that, it's cool that they are able to lean on that for some of these smaller stories. But then, you know, when they frame into Tobin bell, um, you know, who's just standing there in the store and then they kind of make it go alive, you know, 
if you picked any of those cells in that story, it wouldn't work as a comic book Absolutely. because it doesn't look like a comic mm. book. Yeah. And it, that's kind of a problem. Yeah. And there's like moments where they just sort of veer toward that. Like, I mean, I really, I mean, I did like the practical effects. I, I, I'm, I love, love, love practical effects. Like oh, I will I? always go for it. And I, and I like, you know, when the, the creature emerges, which we can yes. discuss, I don't know, maybe more in the character section. You can but, even do it here. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's, I mean, I, I really do. En- I enjoy the way it looks. Um, that creep factor. Yeah. The and, goo, lots mm. of goo. I like goo. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, but, but, uh, you know, and then they do this one shot where the guy's in the house and the head like divides in a few places. Oh, and then yeah. the ne- the very next shot is like, they're in, they're back in the Whatever the it store. is, general store, like you know, and then there's a shadow, shadow. yeah, and, and they show, yeah, like that was like one moment where I was like, oh, you 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 had a little artistic vision here mm-hmm. and you achieved it. I just wanted more of that, like mm-hmm. you know, because it was yeah. a really nice like match on action between the the creature and then the thing mm-hmm. and like, but <laughs> then it was immediately ruined by Adrian Barbo doing like old timey <laughs> math on a calculator, <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't really get. I mean, we we talked about this a little bit before recording that like that the the problem I'm having so far with this, and then also with the Twilight Zone, which I dedicated uh, an entire limited series podcast to episode mm-hmm. to episode on. What I've learned is that landing anthologies like or a- anthological storytelling today is really hard for a lot of people, and I so and, hard, and I and I wonder if it's because a lot of the creators that are doing it now didn't cut their teeth in this type of episodic sort of storytelling. I mean, nowadays you get like 45 minutes, mm. which is why there's Twilight Zone was like 45 to 50 minutes sometimes. And like, you know, with this, I almost feel like, you know, yeah, 17 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever. It's, it, you know, it's a short time frame, but it should, you should be able to lean on that short time frame to, to, to find a proper landing. And, and yeah. I don't, I don't think either of these stories really find a proper landing. And I, yeah, it's and almost, I, yeah. Like it was a distraction to be like, Oh, we're like so intent on this and like trying to figure out what's happening. And the ending just seemed like they were like, Oh shit, we have to finish this up yeah. like right now. Let's make it out. something really scary happen. I don't know. The world's over. And like, yeah, yeah. Suck him up. And I was like, but I don't understand the connection. Like I, I'm, I love short stories. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up and watching, yeah. Tales from the crypt and, uh, uh goosebumps. Even oh though yeah. Was, yeah. Totally. You know, are you afraid of the dark? So it's possible, but I was just like, ah, yeah, and I and I mean I do appreciate that it's hard because I've sometimes sat and thought like oh because I mean I was watching Twilight Zone too and I think there's mm-hmm. some strong episodes but the vast majority of the series kind of derails a bit yeah. and I'm just sitting here going well what would I do you know because I'm a writer I am a you know I am a filmmaker and I'm like so I don't want to just be a critic and be like you jackasses like and you know I can <laughs> I can see everything that's wrong but so it is hard I mean I I would not want that challenge i don't want to be writing an anthology series like that shit is hard it really is yeah like but i i I do think that like you i think these criticisms are fair especially of the gray matter segment like it just it struggles and doesn't quite quite get there you know yeah it it almost seems like with the gray matter thing it is that like oh shit we have to end Mm -hmm. whereas the second one the house the head is like um what now what it yeah it almost felt like it was like leaving it open to another like a continuation but like haphazardly doing it because i had so many questions so many questions yeah the oh my god the ending of that one pissed me off because i thought that that story had far more potential i agree and 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 it, it achieved a certain amount of creepiness i think that you know i it was effective and but then you know when you start to watch it to analyze it and talk mm. about it, it's like, 
what <laughs> the little girl too and her interactions with everything i was so like, weird yes i was like there's no way any child after a certain amount of time would be like just you know i yes. know i mean like look we've all have imaginations as kids i once started a panic with uh the the pta board um and all the uh, the the students parents in in like third grade because i was obsessed with hook or maybe it was first grade <laughs> and i said we're going to neverland which is a, a very problematic thing to say these days uh-huh. but um but at the time i was like i want to be i want to be peter pan and this is what's going to happen because i had this, this insane overactive imagination so i could buy that like the the kid you know, goes on that long. The problem is, is that at some point you have to pivot to reality. And when it does in this, in this story there, the stakes aren't there. The, the consequences aren't really there. Like when she throws the head out, that was the time to do something. Yeah. And you don't like, I had a lot of thoughts about like, I mean, just again, they can't quite decide what kind of reality they are. Are they in? Are they doing a show where like, there's a very grounded reality and then there's a departure or are they doing a show where we're already in the twilight? So we're already in the comic book land. Like, you know, I felt like that missed so many opportunities to go more Mm -hmm. stylized and to like, I don't know. It made me think a little, I I started thinking about like the role of her parents and her and her interactions. And like, it it made me think about Coraline, Mm -hmm. um, which is both as a short story and a film. I mean, I, you know, our masterpiece, but like the whole, the whole thing in that story is like, when shit starts to get weird for Coraline, she tries to get her parents' help and they kind of ignore her and, and wave it off as childhood imagination. Mm-hmm. I think there's some tension there with like the imagination of a child and, you know, and especially with like the dollhouse as a symbol of like, yeah. you know, your imaginary like playland where you can control everything. Um, and then there's this element that's like out of your control. There's so much interesting narrative tension there and they just didn't explore it. Um, and, and that's what makes Coraline successful is like your parents can't help her and it's actually like she's contending with this other mother you know, and mm-hmm. all this, but like this, it's like the parents are like very engaged, but then like not they, so. It's almost like because they had that conversation about like this is supposed to foster like the the personality or characteristics of it, but like at times I was questioning like is there something going on with the parents? Like, yeah. is, are we in some surreal world where like she actually doesn't realize that she's trapped? In, like, my she's mind, in a dollhouse, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my imagination was running with so many options. Like the parents seemed at sometimes very cold and distant, or like had something else going between them. And I'm like, okay, are we? exploring that and then like the interaction with the shopkeeper and the mom because there would be some off moments but then also just didn't go anywhere i I think it's i think it's really just a a a classic case of just not really like kind of figuring out like what is going to work for the medium you know like Mm -hmm. i mean with this it's like well stephen king well it's a short story okay well this is creep show this has got to work but what makes that story work? Well, a lot of it is the pacing. Like the pacing is just like letting it unfold and mm-hmm. letting that tension of knowing like, Ooh, what is behind like the, the, these doors? Like what is happening to this father and the parallels of the, the alcoholism there? Like mm-hmm. that's a long, like kind of a slow burn that I don't know. You can really kind of do justice in 15 minutes and especially in like a campy medium, Yeah, you know? And, and so, so for me, it's like, yeah, like because it's a Stephen King short story, it doesn't necessarily mean it works in this particular medium. And I think with the you know the house of the head, it's it's something that could have worked, but I just don't think necessarily has like uh, any sort of. I think just it, it's again, it's just like the landing. Like in that mm-hmm. case, it really is just like they just. I don't think the writer really knew how to land that story. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's story wise, I'm a little like. Uh, like the writing could definitely be better because there's a lot of fucking exposition in both of these stories, yes. and especially the first one. Like, there's literally a scene where um, the the uh, Tobin Bell and uh, Jan, uh, Juan Carlo Esposito 
are literally talking about like the death of the mother. And I'm like, who the fuck talks like this? Like, it, it's just yeah. like, and they're like, the kid's like standing right there. And, and he's like, you know, he hasn't been the same since, uh, you know, the, the, the death of the mother. You know, my father used to say that some things in this world, just, like, wait, right. what, what the hell line like, is that Are you from? whispering? Or yeah. like, are you just yeah, like. And, and, and this is, again, you know, like, I can feel like I can almost picture them writing this in script format and thinking, oh, it's going to read as campy. It's going to yeah. read as like mm-hmm. comic book. Like, but they didn't, you know, when you don't push it far enough, like it just reads as weird and confusing. And like, mm-hmm. it, again, it just had one foot in like that gritty realism. A, a point where they could have done the panel. Yeah. Yeah. And I would have enjoyed that. I would have been like, okay. Yeah, give us a little panel flashback to mm-hmm. mommy dying and dad, like, in despair, you know, and all. Yeah. I mean, I think they might have done something a little yeah. bit with the funeral, but I can't, you know. <clears throat> they remember, did, yeah. But, 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 you know, again, it's just, they just didn't push it quite far enough. And, and again, and if we're talking strictly about like production and aesthetics, like, I'm really like, ugh, uh, like, I have a weird relationship with like digital horror. I like really don't like it sometimes. Like, I, I think it can work if you kind of lean into the story and it, and it warrants that. But when you're dealing with like creep show, which was like, you know, and I get that they were never going to be able to do this in film, especially with like the breakneck production. I get it. But if you do, then you kind of really do need to lean into aesthetics because it really just does come off as like, um, it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't have that sort of depth. And I think that the problem with this is that like, you know, so much of it just seems stilted. Um, because of that and like the sets like you don't have like the lived in experience of the sets because of the digital shine to it and I didn't really get that when I was on set because when I was on set they were they were filming um, one of uh, Rob Schraub's uh, uh, story that's going to be coming Mm -hmm. in a few weeks from now Um, and they were using a ton of the filters like the reds and the greens and I was like holy shit like they are really leaning on that and in this one, yeah, they don't really have it. And I think if they had, I think it would have definitely um, elevated the experience a little bit more and yeah. made me um, feel as if I'm like in that world. And it would kind of just define, like, uh, add more to the the, the performances too. You totally, know? yeah. Like you know, you can get away with somebody hysterically screaming, like you know, the end is coming. You know, if you don't, but like they just. You know, and, and like they had all the elements there to do it. They had like that just that moment of the shadow tells yes. me that they had it. They had it. They could have. They just didn't like pull it through. It was like an unfinished thought, yeah. you know, and it, and it bums me out because it's like it, it always bums me out more when something is like close to working than when it's mm-hmm. just a total disaster, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, you had Adrian Barbo there. You had, you know, a Stephen King story that you're working off of yeah. like, ah, ah, you know, you've got it all. You got these great practical effects, like just pull it together, yeah. you know. And it's just a bummer. And I wonder where it happened in the production shoot because if it's one of those things where it's like they're getting their footing, mm-hmm. you know, and like they're trying, yeah. they're starting to like, okay, pilots, now we get it. Pilots right. are hard. That's yeah. the thing because when you watch the trailer, you're like, oh, this is going to be like good. Mm-hmm. Like it has those effects that you're looking for and like that kind of feel. And I was like, I'm getting both like the little comedic side of it, but I'm also like going to have a little bit of jump, a little bit of like cool yeah. creative direction. And I kind of felt like this one fell short. And part of me was like, okay, like you said, it's the pilot. Um, I'm still hopeful for the other ones, like reading about what the potential is for that. Um, But I was just kind of, there was a, for this particular one, I kind of just, I watched it like five or six times over and over again, just to kind of see if I was like missing something or I was overthinking it or anything like that. But I was just thoroughly disappointed in how they all end. Like it, it was kind of like getting worked up for nothing. Yeah. And and, yeah. and, I, and I wonder if it's a, a lot of it's like a pacing thing too, because what I noticed is that when they even like show the creep, 
which is, you know, the connective tissue for all this and the, the unifying thing. I feel like they're even figuring out that right now. You know, like yeah, it, for me, he like talk in the first part, he, yeah, he doesn't talk in the, in the, in the first one at all. Second one, he does like it. The second one's ridiculous. Cause it's just like, Oh, hello kitties. And like, it's just like really like cheesy. And Tom Savini actually plays the creep in, in the, in the real life part. But then when it becomes animation, it's like, it's like really weird, weird garish animation in the second one. But, um, it becomes, you know, it, there's something comical about it. But what I thought that this one could have leaned even more on and wouldn't have cost a lot is just where you're using it. You know, like when the thing breaks through and, you know, Juan Carlo like has that exasperated expression, that's when he should have been animated. Like, yes. oh, I was thinking that too. Out, and then it has like the piano music playing and you, you, you know, yes. maybe speed up the sequences with the creep so it's not so like... Drinking, oh, drinking a beer. Yeah, exactly. it felt very stale and weird. Like mm. it felt like you know when there's like awkward silence in, in a thing, and it, it, I, yeah. yeah, I can't. Half of me kind of wondered. You know how sometimes you have those things where you're writing and you have a good ending, but someone on the top is like, eh, "What if we did this?" And yeah. it changed. I'm like, it, yeah, it could have been too many cooks in the kitchen. It could have mm. been. I mean, there's a lot of pressure writing on you to like deliver on a franchise like this. But I, mm. I and and. Again, this is me speculating because who the hell knows what actually happened. But I feel like in a lot of modern productions, the the writing phase is rushed. You know, there's not enough analysis and thought put into it at that point. Like if you if you spend more time and I've had this experience making terrible content myself, you know, I've made some shit um, that sucks and it's bad. Uh, But, you know, if you if you spend more time at the upfront to really analyze your own script and have a lot of other people look at it and then and then storyboard it and really think through like maybe this is the most effective moment to pull that in and I'm sure they did I mean obviously they they did storyboarding and they had all these artists working with them and everything but it it did feel a little rushed like we got to get this out we got the franchise we got the rights to it let's you know content content baby you know yeah yeah well let's uh let's go a little deeper into I mean we've talked a lot about the story already but let's go into some of the performances in a favorite section of ours that we call heroes and villains I'm gonna have to kill this fucking clown Well, I'd say Nico Taro uh, managed to get all the big stars for his. Uh, I mean, they really do lean in on getting some recognizable faces for us in that first uh, episode, which I applaud them for. You know, if you look back at the original Creep Show, maybe not so much the second one, because I can't really recognize too much except for the old man from Naked Gun, um, basically Tench from uh, Mindhunter playing. Um, and you know an Indian character, which is problematic as hell. But yes. um, <laughs> the the first one's filled with just like nonstop stars. I mean, Ed Harris, uh, Ted Danson, um, uh, Galen Ross from Dawn of the Dead, Leslie Nielsen. I mean, it, it, the list goes on. So I really did like that the first one here, we get some characters that, you know, some horror regulars that we love, like genre heroes. Um, and then also, obviously, with having, like, you know, Juan Carlo there is awesome. Because, you know, if there's one character that we all know from television these days, it's Gus Fring. And, you know, seeing him in this was was really neat. But then I also appreciate on the other side, like, you know, the House of the Head, there weren't that many stars in there. And, you know, because that's kind of cool, too, because you get to kind of see some, you know, maybe some stars that we don't know that can, you know, embellish some of their qualities that we don't see in other things, because this is a great medium for that. But 
what are some characters, you know, starting with gray matter, who do you think really like got the story and got the, you know, the medium, um, really well, or maybe they didn't, I don't know. I mean, we don't really get a lot of time with these characters. So mm -hmm. that's, this is kind of Mm -hmm. a weird section to go into. Um, but was there any like performance in that first one that, that you felt really did work? Hello, this is Jason, co-host of the All 80s Movies Podcast, with a message from Factor Meals. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Mm. (laughs) No. (laughs) If I'm being gracious, I want to say Tobin... Bell had that like kind of great. I thought he was he a police officer or yeah, they called him a chief, but then yeah. they called him. He was like wondering where he got a gun later. So I was like, wait, isn't shouldn't he have, he a, have gun? a gun? Right, yeah, <laughs> he looked like a weird rent a cop because he had like a he, I don't know. Yeah, it was wearing. And she was also boots. tasking him with like figuring out the, the fungi mold, or the mold. Yeah. yeah. Also, who just gives a box of moldy beer to someone? Yeah, there was a lot of, I had more questions than answers. I mean, I, mm. I he I felt like they brought they all brought their their gravitas yeah. to their roles, you know. Um, but like there was just so little time. Like they, I kind of liked the interactions with 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 Tobin Bell and um, the other what, yeah Juan Carlo. Juan Carlo yeah, 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 yeah. Like I mean, like I was kind of enjoying their dynamic, and I'm like, I think they're in love. Um, <laughs> like I want to start shipping them on Reddit. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna write some fan fiction right now. Uh, but like, I would have watched. I would have listened. Yeah, totally. I mean, and I felt like we get, were getting these little keyhole glimpses into their dynamic or whatever, and that was the most. Um, character development we really got besides yeah. the sort of hammy stuff with the father and son. Um, and like, it's always good to see Adrian Barbo. I love her. Like, you know, yeah. she always does a, a, a solid job, but like, she wasn't really given a lot to work mm. with. You know, she's like, I'm concerned. Yeah. Now I'm more concerned. Now I'm like playing with a calculator at the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> right. God, it, it, you know, the calculator thing really does bother me because it's such a fucking <laughs> jump in the narrative where, where like, and the thing is like, what, what really works about that story is that it's local, mm. you know, and I like local horror. I don't like this sort of, you know, if you're going to go the global route, you really got to earn it. You know, like there's only a few yes. productions I could think of that earn it. Like the mist is a great example. Like at the end, when you finally see this colossal thing that's on this, mm. the highway, then you realize like, Oh my God, it's way past this small town mm. that we're in right now with this. You don't have a lot of time. So why would you expand it to the world? Like it just, yeah, it's it, left. it made no sense. Sorry. No, go, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Cause they said it was six days till the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. But then I'm like, it took forever for his dad to like yes. evolve. So how does that math work? I'm like, Miss Parmley, you need to check yourself then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you don't, don't do math while uh, yeah. bravely upset and in fear for your life, I guess is the more. Oh yeah. And I mean, it remind. I was saying again, not to keep talking about the thing. I don't know why that's on my mind so much right now, but like, it's well, it like reminded, the body horror thing. Yeah. Too, you know. It reminded me of when, when the one character, the doctor that ends up like losing his mind, um, uh, is doing the math and the thing. And he's like, 
you know, at this rate, like at least two people are infected, like, you know, time to global assimilation is approximately like seven, 75 days. I can't remember exactly, but you know, it's that kind of moment. I think it's Wilford Brimley. Um, Yes, it is Wilford Brimley's character. I always (laughs) forget that that's Wilford Brimley because he doesn't have his trademark mustache. No, no. Uh, But it's definitely (laughs) Wilford Brimley. Um, The reason I'm talking about that is it reminds me of you know, when she, when Adrian Barbo is doing all the math, cause she's like calculating like, Oh, we have six days till this thing multiplies. But again, in the thing that feels very earned yeah. and in this, it's like, wait, what? Like I thought we were in one kind of story and suddenly we're in a totally different kind of story. Cause like, you know, and, and it also loses the whole thread of like, if, if this story has one element that's has any power to it, it's that like, we're talking about, it's an all a big metaphor for addiction and alcoholism yeah. and this father son dynamic. And the, and the, the point of the story to me was like the son is actually bringing these people to be sacrificed to his mm-hmm. father because he loves him and he'll do anything. Cause he promised he would quit. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, also the world's going to end. Like <laughs> yeah. it just, right. it's very, it's just like a random thing stapled onto the end of this. And honestly it could have easily, they set it up easily for the kid to just like, you know, have Adrian Barbeau maybe be taken away person. or something like that, yeah. and, or something and a like little bit slowly go through the town like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just kicked the ending, but I will say I thought the the girl in the house that was pretty good. I, I, I've seen some mixed reviews online about it, but I thought that she. I thought her reactions and like even the exposition that she's giving to the dollhouse. Like, I mean, I've seen seen so many kids like talk about their with their toys and stuff like that and like i mean i was one of them for 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 christ's sake and i would just mix you know ninja turtles with rocketeer and all this other shit and like i'd be like well hi i'm this so and so and blah 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 and like just be talking in my head and then also out loud and um then my parents got really scared and they sent me to therapy but um i I, wish my parents had sent me to therapy (laughs) yeah well those are for other reasons other than action (laughs) figures for me but um but but the i I bought it and so for me it was mostly my my problem with her character is mostly just that final act where you're just like that was her time to actually show that she was scared not have that sort of stony balance because like she seems more intrigued than actual scared Mm. yeah again i found it a little like uh, just too hard, uh, hard to believe, I guess. But also, I mean, I, I I was with it at first. I'm like, okay, I'll go along with this. That she's just this badass little girl that is so into like her doll realm. That, but it, again, it just was like mixed mixed messaging. Like she's this one kind of little girl. She's like a normal little girl in a sort of realistic setting, and then she just keeps going with this. And and it, at some point, it just becomes kind of one note for me. Like she's just like. You're not supposed to. She's a total robot. And I'll say, I mean, I wish I'd had that composure when I was a child because <laughs> one time I like had this little music box thing where like a baby popped out of a box and it would like, and I remember once in the middle of the night, I swear this thing went off by itself and just kind of popped out of the box and it was like, dun, 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 dun. And this like baby came out and I just started screaming. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I was, was just looking at it and I just flipped out and I like, you know, I was like, mom, it's haunted. <laughs> and I was like, we must get And she, and I was like trying to throw it out the window and she was like, no, don't throw it out the window. And she <laughs> took it and then she put it in the back of a closet and covered it with a sheet. And I was just like, I know it's under there. And I was it's crying. So you would have gotten rid of the dollhouse immediately. Oh yeah. I would have just burned that thing. Like mm. I'm trying to remember what, what would you do? Do you think you in the beginning, I agree with you in the beginning. I liked the kind of like childlike talking with it because yeah. I also just watched what's that one with um Guy Pierce and his like daughter comes to the house and there's like these little basically there's like these little spirits in the house that are talking to her and at first she's like yeah yeah so I thought it was along those same lines of like I'm talking with her making friends like yeah I was into it but then again like you said it just became okay 
if I saw the head the first time, I would be like, I wouldn't be so non like I'd be like, okay, it's weird. And I'd ask somebody like, hey, did you put this in here? Where did this come from? And then there would be involvement or I'd try to get rid of it. But it just seemed like she, when the first head came off of your doll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why would you get another one? Whose head also, after that too, I would be like, hey, mom and dad. I don't want you to worry, but my dad, my ho- my dolls are being beheaded. Yeah, yeah. Like, is it, do I have a little brother in the attic that I'm unaware of? Mm. That's like a psycho. Um, Enlighten I, me, please. I, I would just think it was the dad. I mean, the dad was kind of a dick. Yeah, and I would have like, I mean, I, I, I would like to see her doing like more like Nancy Drew sleuthing. Like mm. she's like trying to figure it out instead of just. I mean, I, and again, I would have totally bought into this whole exactly the way the action unfolded, with the exception of the ending. If it had been more stylized, yeah. if like she, if it was like she was. I, I almost thought it would be interesting if like we didn't even see the parents' faces, like if they were kind of Charlie Brown in the in the periphery and yeah. she's in her own little fantasy world and she's just like, I'm gonna have a battle with this entity. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's so, just the choices just I feel like they just jarred against each other. Um I love when she's sitting there at the end with the beret though, and just yeah, be like stone cold. Oh, like, she should have rid of that. that yeah. Yeah, the house is dead to me. In my head I was just like she's condemning someone else to crazy yeah. now. Yeah. I was like what a little bitch. Right. And also what happened to the big head? She yes. stuck the big head in the house and then it's not in the house at the end. So like I mean to me also like the the appearance of the tiny head in the tiny house it, it, you know is the herald of the murder of this entire tiny family. So you'd think that the appearance of the mm. large head no in the large house would then yeah yeah like yeah. she was suddenly she would go in the next room and mommy and daddy would be beheaded or something yeah. like that's where I was expecting exactly you that's know what I was going for yeah and then it, but then it's, it's just like well she put the head in the house and now there's a yard sale you're just yeah. gonna leave someone right? else with this and, yeah. and you she have time to sleep yeah mm-hmm. she does and like you have the time to do that story mm-hmm. yeah you know because you don't need to have them like giving it away at the end you could literally just have it go just go all in yeah. you know go I mean even if it's you know even if Mallerman didn't write it that way I mean, King didn't write that ending that way for Grey Matter, so why not change it up a little bit, make it a little more, you know, punchy? I think, if anything, this is the story that deserved the, like, totally, uh, the sort yeah. of go all in. Because it was so, it was actually, they did a very good job building up tension and creepiness. Like, I was creeped out, like, by, and I liked it because it was this very small, controlled, like, yeah. you mm. know, thing, and then it needed that payoff at the end, I and agree. we didn't get it. I agree. And and honestly, it's, it's just, you know, director for this one was John Harrison, so... He had actually done the music for the original Creep Show. Oh. He had uh, he was the assistant director for uh, the original Creep Show. So I was actually expecting a little bit more of like you know a stylistic flair on that too. And I felt that out of the two of them, this one felt the least like Creep Show to me um, because there was just no like yeah. I mean I don't know I I don't know what they would have done to make it a little bit more like I mean maybe they could have gone like all black and white to make it look like uh, an old 50s school 50s dollhouse yeah. yeah like they were attempting through the father's terrible humor to be that right and they, like yeah. he just like you said came off as a dick and you just kind of like side eye him and keep going <laughs> yeah I mean, he's such an asshole he's just like he's like discrediting his daughter like half the time just being like oh yeah well that's what you're doing okay um yeah and what to what end i mean why why do all these little things with these characters and then give us nothing behind them and like you know and it would have actually been very easy to stylize it in like a a period as a period piece because you only had like two locations you know um you could have done i I don't know if you guys have been watching like that hulu into the dark series at all um which is kind of an anthology even though they're like longer format some you know um, it's like a movie each month yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay. And, and the one that I saw that I really liked was um, G 
Gigi Saul Guerrero did Culture Shock, and she does this really great thing because it's about like the border crisis and all this, and and it's about like um, you know, some migrants that are trying to come into America and they get uh, they get they get nabbed, but then she wakes up in this kind of like Pleasantville dream world, and they do a really good job, you know, delineating the style the stylizing of um, gritty realism versus. Now we're in Pleasantville, 1950s, weird town. Um, and again, it's just a matter of like, let's get some colors, you know, let's get everybody wearing pink. Like, I don't know, like whatever it is that will help make this feel like you're, you've got a, a touch of style to it, like some art direction. Like, I don't know. It was just like, why? Yeah. No, I, I got I, the, the changing the decades would have been really cool. And it's supposed to be a 50s throwback. So like, or make it the 80s. I don't give a yeah. shit. It, it definitely something. would have worked with the interaction with the shopkeeper, too, because that would have tied really well into that part. Yeah. And I was hoping more would come from that because I thought he was like creepy. Out of yeah. all the characters in there, like he was creepy because he kept saying... He, like the house is special and so she should be. And I was like, what does totally. that mean? It's like, he knows something <laughs> right. that's up. And, and, and if this was goosebumps or are you afraid of the dark? He would have, he, she would have come mm. back and like, cause it makes me think of that, uh, goosebumps with the mask where she gets yeah. the mask yeah. and then she goes back to the shopkeeper and he's like, got like a whole shop of like evil masks mm. and stuff. And it's like, I mean, there's something about that. It's like they, if you're going to use a little girl, it's like the little girl is fighting against these unspeakable monsters. There's so much fun you could have with that. Mm. And they just like, man, they just I, didn't I, do it. I think we need to bring back the writers from, are you afraid of the dark and goosebumps and just help out the creep show folks here um well let's move on to um i think we've discussed some of our grievances with this so i think we're going to skip some nightmares and dream skates and go straight to the cemetery what's the bottom of the truth well sometimes that is better the person you put up there ain't the person that comes back it may look like that person but it ain't that person because whatever lives in the ground beyond that cemetery ain't human at all all right in this section we're going to talk about what actually scared us i thought there were a few jarring moments uh, in here that definitely got a little under my skin i thought the the sort of body horror for the father in Grey Matter was well executed. Mm-hmm. I thought that the the scenes where you do see his transition, um, they did a good job being able to show like, all right, the, the, the flakes coming on the skin. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually see like the slimy like arms and stuff like that in his head, it was pretty good. Like, I mean, it, it felt palpable. It was it was there. Um, what scared uh, you too? I mean, I don't know if that actually scared me, but I mean, it was it, effective. The creepiness factor. Like, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that was effective for me because, you know, the practical effects worked there. The goo, as I stated before, was effective. Um, And I will say, like, I I was starting to get creeped out by the, you know, initial doll house story because, like, I described my music box coming to life thing. Um, It it felt there's something about that that felt right. You know, like little girl getting scared by something uncanny happening in her bedroom. Like I liked that tension and, Mm. um, but what did you get there? By the way, what did you do with the music box? Uh, I, as far as I know, it's maybe still in the back of that closet covered in sheet because I did not ever want to touch that thing again. (laughs) I kind of want to find it now. But then that's my own horror movie. It's beginning. it's funny you mention that. So like when uh, my my grandmother uh, down in South Florida, she lives in this like big old like mansion. It's kind of like Miss Havisham's place, and she still lives there. And she she has one eye, and um, she's great. She's 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 I, I I love her to death. She's very funny. She looks like Janet Lee. Um, very uh, but tucked away in the back. And in my mother's room, 
where she was at. My mother's adopted. Um, and she had this one room that was down the hall and in the room was there, there's this thing that was like, that it was like a music box, but it had a little ballerina that would dance inside mm-hmm. now. And this is going to, this sorry to go off on a tangent on this, but that just like made me like, it just reminded me of that story. And I was like, Oh my God, this that something similar happened to us. Mm-hmm. So when anyone ever stayed in that room, in her room, um, the, in the middle of the night, you would hear the ballerina doll, uh, mm-hmm. go to life. And what we attributed it to was that, um, uh, my my late aunt, her uh, daughter had died in the eighties, actually, and we always said, "Oh, it's just Tammy, um, uh-huh. you know, playing with the toy or whatever." And I would always just play like it just it's still sitting there, like oh, every yeah. time it just stares at us, and it's very mm-hmm. Twilight Zoney, like the team of the Talking Doll or something like that. And I'm like, so for me, that just you saying that just like uh, just no. said chills down my spine. Okay. Well, <laughs> the the previous owner of the house I grew up in had killed himself in the house, and so like I felt like lots of weird little things happen. Like I don't necessarily believe in in ghosts, but I definitely believe in like uncanny experiences and that there's more that we don't totally understand. You know, yeah. I had so many weird little experiences like that. And we do the same thing. We were like, Oh, it's just, it's Vern, you know, like, cause that was the name of the guy. And so, uh, I should have changed his name. Uh, that was just Tony, uh, <laughs> Sorry, Tony. <laughs> you know, and, uh, so, but you know, cause I, and I always felt like if there was a presence, it was just sort of friendly, but a little like, like, playful. Hey, playful, like, like, let me, yeah, turn on a toy or like turn on and off the TV or yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Playful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and this wasn't a in, in this creep show because we kind of just went on a Souls Midnight there. Actually, that was fun. Um, in this one, I, the, this isn't. I, I never even get a, a like. A, I don't know what the hell this thing is. Is it playful? Is it just being like? Is yeah. it ominous? Is it going to hurt her? Like that's the thing. Like we yeah. never see any danger for her. So like, what are we supposed to feel? Very right. disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> and they set up a little. Like I noticed when the head first appears, it's on a tiny table mm. with like a weird ashtray right. and like. I a, heard that was from like the other creep show. They, oh, are, yeah. they are. Yeah. So okay. there's a, the, the 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 thing that they really stressed on this set is that they layer this thing in Easter egg. And there's a bunch of them that are Stephen King related, which, which we'll we talk about. Yeah. yeah, but the ashtray is something that they include in every creep show. Oh dang! And now I feel bad because I, I noticed it and it, it caught my attention, but I didn't didn't catch that. But I was thinking because there's also a little book on the table, and I was mm. like, maybe the little boy Ethan like went to the basement and found a Necronomicon Ooh. and oh. read from the book, and that's what's going on His here. Head came out, but that, that would be so much more interesting <laughs> <laughs> if like the dolls conjured evil in a way that hadn't yeah. really been done that way. You I'm know? just saying I'm available for hire. Hey, you know, let's, let's <laughs> get you on the next season. I was wondering what happened to Dane the dog, too. He oh, just the dog! I know! Yeah. I want to know! Uh, they, a lot of people die, and I guess the thing that was kind of creepy to me was just seeing their reactions whenever she opened up the door. Mm. Like, yes. just because they're so human-like. There yes. is something like... Because a lot... One of the things I really do like about it is that you do have to kind of, like, use your imagination to figure out what was going on in that house, and that's kind of scary. I like, like that. And they give know. her, like, talking and giving a little explanation, which I kind of like, but again, I was like... It felt weird that have her saying all these things, but, like, yeah, watching... Ethan, Ethan, Evan. Yeah, like, I think it's around Ethan. the corner, yeah. or like when they're yeah. going up into the thing, and the dad has the gun, and like I was very much into that, and like she would like look through things, something, or her flashlight would go off, so she would look down, and things would move. That's scary. Yeah, like, yeah, super creepy. Yeah, I want. Yeah, and I, I, I like that feeling. That's what I the the, the type of creepiness I most mm. enjoy in horror, and I just wanted them to amp it up. And honestly, what would really play into that is um, the score. 
Like yes. if you had like violins on that or something like that, like I, I think of, um, have you ever seen Tales from the Hood? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there's like when the sequence with Corbin Burns in, and I'm um, like, my hair is like literally sticking up thinking mm-hmm. of this because like the violins in that, yep. they don't show a lot in that. But when you do see the changes that are happening and like keep panning over to the painting and like mm. you see one more like the doll like like gone and they, they just boom, like they hit the, the violins up and it is so scary. Like yes. I, I was watching it like a few weeks ago again. And I'm just like, my heart's like racing because it's just like, there is something about the music that amplifies. It's the same thing with The Shining. Like, I mean, if you took the the music out of that movie, the music wouldn't be, it wouldn't be effective, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's so many iconic horror scores that like, uh, and that makes me think of the Insidious soundtrack, which yes. also really is reminiscent of the original rejected Exorcist soundtrack, but it has that same tonal quality of like, it's really high pitched violins that just like, uh, it's like, it turns it, you off a little bit, but mm-hmm. like, you can't, you don't quite notice it until it's like. Yeah, like yeah. It, it just it's something in your lizard brain goes off. I think it's because it's at the same pitch of like a human scream or something like that. And it just is like you're like, I'm in danger. Yeah, yeah. So anything else scare? I kind of liked the build up when in the in gray matter when they're coming into the house and mm-hmm. like kind of exploring room by room because you're like, okay, you yeah. know, there's a, fathers in there somewhere and you like first stumble upon the animal bones and then like the twins and you're like, oh shit, which would have been a nice also, I think potential good uh cell to put in there yeah yes or to like either go from the cell to like live action i don't know but it would have been great and then when you see the dad or actually the shadow scene i thought for a second when i first watched it that it was like the sun was one of them yes and it looked like it was splitting and i was like holy shit and then it didn't go anywhere but that again that would be such a more effective ending mm. because honestly it would, it would also fit thematically because you know it would be the passing of the generational yes. thing also. he did threaten to like touch his son and make him it so and that, yeah, um, and that scene scared me because it's like the, the idea of like coming home and in this gloomy well, I mean, my mother was an alcoholic, so like the idea of like the shades being put up, mm-hmm. like there is a lot of like literal metaphors being like, you know, played at hand here. And I thought that was really effective in creating that atmosphere. But again, it's like, I don't know if it's just the time frame or the, the rushing, but they just, I feel like they missed a lot of these opportunities. But mm-hmm. ugh, yeah. I wouldn't want to be touched by. I wouldn't want to drink mm. that stuff. But the, um, the blanket too, and yeah. like when the dad. My yeah, favorite so scene, I think, has to be when the dad screams, "Christ Jesus!" And like the <laughs> way he's, and then he spits like his or tooth out, or he hacks something out. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was kind of gross. And when you see what's coming out of the can, yes, uh, yes. It, it, it was a nasty set. Yeah, it's a very I mean, gross. Factor <laughs> covered in mm-hmm. that weird fungus. They had like dead rats everywhere. There was like um like maggots all over the place like uh, mm-hmm. chinese food cartons everywhere mm-hmm. how was that boy living in there for that long because <laughs> it's know. obvious gone to like real yeah yeah and that's and that's in the book um you know in the original book or in the short story it's like it takes place in the snow mm. um so then they changed okay. the hurricane which makes sense obviously because of them filming in atlanta and whatever but whatever um are we done with the cemetery? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we got one more section before we offer our final thoughts, and it's a familiar one also. It's called King's Dominion. There's another world out there. I know there is. All right, well, Easter eggs were plenty. And some of them were really obvious and some of them um, were not so obvious. There's one that I thought was kind of like a a nice little subtle wink. And there's some that weren't actually on screen uh, that I thought were interesting. But um, 
who caught the ones that were in gray matter. And there, there, there are some pretty obvious ones that are the missing pet signs in the very yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the yeah. church in Cujo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also there, I was a dog named Peter missing, which I believe is a reference to my short film, short leash where a dog named Peter goes, but that's that beside is true. The that is true. It's <laughs> that a great short true. film. Um, <laughs> did you see, I, I believe that's the crate in the beginning mm-hmm. when the creep comes in. Yes. It's a nice little nod. And they actually had that on the set, which was really cool. And they had, um, I think they called it Fluffy, uh, the crate monster. And it was just like when you run a corner and it would just be like, I like staying there. And that was, <laughs> that was kind of scary. But um, did you notice that the toy that the girl gets, the Indian, is a uh, little mm. chief wooden head from, from Creep, Creep Show first? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. I so, probably would have picked up on that if I'd more recently seen Creep Show. Yeah. The last. Yeah. <laughs> they, they killed uh, Chief Woodenhead, so the the I guess the, the decapitated you get head. Like shrink down to like that size. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a nice little nod. But if what's funny is that so the dollhouse had some other ones and when I was able to kind of look around them at the actual set, um on the screen on the TV show, what Ethan's watching is actually creep show. So you see like the submerged head of uh, Ted Danson uh, on the screen, which oh, is kind of cool. Cute. But they don't show it in, the, in there. But I wonder if it's probably because of rights because of Ted Danson, maybe. I don't know. Oh, I wonder. Uh, or know. just got like cut for time or yeah. something. Who knows? And I want to say the pumpkin is exactly the same kind of pumpkin that's in the first creep show that's in the window. Um, that's on, I mean, that's like a reach, but. I felt that was that was one for sure. I mean, they said that the first one with Grey Matter had like a ton of Stephen King references. I didn't oh, see. I saw like the yellow slicker that Jimmy. Oh, was you're right, Timmy. Mm-hmm. Timmy. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy. Was was Harrow's a reference yeah. to anything? I was trying to figure that out, and I couldn't. I, like, I was like, why is it called Harrow's? Premium. I, they, I googled and I googled. Yeah, and I, googled. I, I, I couldn't even. T- I couldn't even remember if it's the actual beer that's in the, the I, night yeah, shift story. Yeah, they make it seem like I was like, is the beer the source of all this? Yeah, yeah, it made me think yeah. of the, so, the stuff, and then yeah. I was like, is it a reference yeah. to that? But then that's not even. That's nothing to do with King or mm. Creepshow. Apparently, there is a stuff reference coming up soon. Oh. Um, that's what they they hinted at that too, and I and sadly I believe they. They did that reference, and it was like Larry Cohen died, like only like a week later. Yeah, or which bummed me because I, I love him I and I too. love his films. God, so did yeah. you see the documentary that's on Shutter about that? Like I started to watch it, but I did, and then I fell asleep, and I need to go back to it's it. Fun. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Yeah, he just seems like such a uh, like a fucking crazy guy. Yeah, which uh, really inspirational as one of those kind of like outsider artist types that just like went for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah we I just I watched uh, when Joe Bob was on uh, for his season on Shutter. Um, this is sponsored by Shutter, by the way. No, um, but <laughs> he, he, they should que- uh, cue the Winged Serpent, and that movie's fucking insane. It is. I tried watching it by myself, and I was like, I need to be watching this with people while yes. intoxicated. It's yeah, it's called Cue the Winged Serpent. Mm. It, it's it's wild. It, there's some really funny stuff, even in like the first ten minutes, that I was just like, what? But then like Big it performances. just performances. Yeah, the performances are very. It's, it reminds me a little like Basket Case or something like yeah. one of those slice of like time capsule movies. And I love. I, I and that's another thing is. Like I, I wanted that from this in a way. Yeah. It was like that sort of gritty, old school, like independent look. I mean, because if you watch Maniac, like they shot that on the fly, and yeah. like it looks oh, fucking gritty. Duh, like, I, I saw, I, uh, uh, yeah, Maniac. I have a lot of feelings about. Um, yeah, I had a long conversation with uh, the the director at um, Nightmares Film Festival last year in, in oh, 2018. Wow. Um, he was amazing and awesome to talk to. But um, that's beside the point. Now I'm just name dropping like a. <laughs> Jackass. No, it's cool. Uh, but um, what was I going to say? That's what they need to do. Yeah, is they need to hire 
random weirdos to direct mm. every episode of this of this series and then you could really get an anthology like true like you know go back to your roots go let some crazy person with a you know, you know that's the problem everybody's too polished now yeah i'm an old man no but i, I think like get, give me the gritty like i, I we, it was funny like justin on their text thread the other day was just like he showed the alternate ending for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I love the original one from 90, 1990, not the Michael Bay one. And <laughs> I love that movie. And it's my top three for like comic book adaptations because it is so fucking like it, it, it treats the source material with respect, but also it's like a gritty, like mm. old school, like Scorsese movie. Sometimes. Totally. Like, it's so, it's so grimy. You really <laughs> fucking yeah. believe it. New York is a character. <laughs> As you could say, the Big Apple's a character. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I agree. And, and and but going back to like the King connections, though, I didn't see any other ones. I thought the dad maybe here in the 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 house, the head was a little bit like the Tom Atkins character, a little mm-hmm. bit maybe from the original Creep Show. But yeah, otherwise. I, I mean, that's that's all I caught. Yeah, you know. and I guess the the stuff on oh. the table being, you know, the little tiny table being the creep show uh, ashtray. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and oh, and there's one more which I thought was really like eye rolling. What was like the Grady twins on the newspaper? Yeah, I was wondering if that was what is that from? That's The Shining. Yeah, so okay. I was going to say yeah, I, I must have just not. But how noticed did that? that. <laughs> it doesn't make it. Yeah, no, it's just it's, well, it's just like in, in, in the dark tower uh, oh, the yeah, with know, the beam like, along yeah, the beam. Yeah, right, there right. are other worlds than these. Right. Yeah, and thing. look. There are other worlds, but we're closing this one out and we're going to go into our overall thoughts. Dad, can we go now? You ready? Yeah, we've been ready for an hour. (laughs) Okay, I'll be right there. He said that a half hour ago. Yeah, my dad's weird. He gets like that when he's writing. Let's nose this. It's been, uh, you know, I guess looking into this rating, I guess we can rate this episode, but we could also kind of offer our our hopes and thoughts and just the overall arching of like, you know, what this might lead. Because I'm pretty sure Shudder is going to give this a second season. I mean, it's, there's so much press. This is the biggest thing that Shudder has done in terms of original programming. Um, so, you know, where do we want to see this? What are some things that you think they can improve? I and mean, we've already discussed a lot of it throughout this episode, but uh, keep that in mind with when you're, you know, you're giving your bright red Pennywise clown nose rating. So do you want to kick this one off? Are we doing out of five? We're doing out of five. Okay. Yeah. The holy five. <laughs> oh Lord. Yes. Uh, boy. Um, cause I mean, I, <laughs> I will say, I mean, like I want to like this series. I want to keep watching it. I'm hoping that this had some pilot jitters and is just, is gonna, you know, pick up steam as it goes on. Um, I mean, if I'm going to just go on this alone, if I was just watching it in a vacuum, I give it like two, two. Yeah. I'm sorry. They just had too many problems and I was frustrated with it, but it's got all the elements there of, uh, like, you know, a, a good bread, but you know, you didn't prove it for long enough. It's got the saggy bottom. I've been watching great British baking. Jam. I don't know where I'm going with this it just I was like needs- i'm hungry now yeah. yeah and i was just thinking about pizza because a teenage mutant yeah like- i know i know i always have to order pizza whenever yeah. i watch that movie i know i just want like a big new york slice mm. anyway the point what am i trying to say to <laughs> i'm gonna give it two bright wet shiny penny wise qualm noses okay <laughs> okay and you i so i'm a hopeful person and this has burned <laughs> me several times where i've hoped for things and like the the continuation of a series is like just let me down but 
I looked at like seeing the trailer again, like the other options that are be out there. But again, the dollhouse looked creepy in the trailer, and yeah, that was kind of a letdown. But uh, I, I, I like you were saying before, like there's potential. And maybe if they do, op- I don't know if they've finished shooting everything. Yeah, they're all done. Yeah, the whole so season's done. I'm curious if they opened it up to multiple different directors and they like, have. okay, yeah. good. Um, yeah. I'm, I've seen some of the cast for like what's coming up, and I'm, I like a lot of those people. I'm excited for it, so I'm gonna give it a chance. I'm gonna, so because of that, it gets a three. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm gonna go with a three. Also, I, I think the, the the try is really, you know, it, it, it's really affecting. For me, just, you know, and again, I'm biased because I had, you know, I was there on the set. I got to talk to the people and I saw like the, the, the you know, how the meat was made and all. And so I, I, I'm, I, it's impossible for me to take that context out. But seeing what we have, I always love a good excuse to watch something creepy. I always love a good excuse to watch Shudder because I think it's a great, you know, like, and this isn't sponsored or anything, but <laughs> I just think it's I really. I remember. <laughs> I, have a, I have my free trial right now and I have some qualms. <laughs> but, but the thing is like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I feel like they're definitely gonna be adding stuff going into October. But um, the thing I love about it is what it does to the horror community. It brings, you know, it brings the horror community together. Like, so when Joe Bob was on and it was a week to week thing, like every night, every Friday night, I didn't even go anywhere. I didn't even make any plans because I always loved being on Twitter and watching these things with people. And mm-hmm. I think that's what sh- this with creep show is going to do. And for that alone, I'm really excited about it and what the possibilities can bring. I also think that given the people that are involved and given the success of this, which will probably be a success for shutter. I I'm hoping that shutter and AMC and, you know, they, they, they say, okay, look, let's start this a little earlier. Let's, you know, give it a little more time and maybe some more people can kind of come in a little bit too. And, you know, there's some potential. Maybe they kind of hear some of the, you know, the feedback there and they get their footing and they get some more animators that can work a little longer. Because honestly, like the like we were saying before, like all this stuff is there on the table to to assemble mm-hmm. something great, mm-hmm. you know, and I think like it's it's, you know, it's almost there in a lot of places. It is there in, in mm-hmm. some places. I think that Grey Matter gets there a lot. I think that the House the Head narratively could have used some work, but I think that it was, you know, the, the heart and the spirit is there. It's just a matter of can they just get a little bit more patience and, and time to reflect on it so that they're not so just like, all right, let's get this to the next thing. Um, and again, I don't want them to lose that sort of breakneck speed because I think like when you're up against, you know, the wall, you know, all bets are off. Mm-hmm. You actually do get a little more creative. And I'm mm-hmm. really interested to see where that creativity is going to yeah. lead us in the season. Uh, but for right now, yeah, I'm. I was definitely like I wasn't like blown away like mm-hmm. I, I have been with a lot of King properties and adaptations. And it, it, for me, it was more of just like. Oh no, like, um, like let's, you know, I, I guess I just, I had it built up in my head for something else, but Hey, it could still be that. And mm. I think there's a lot of potential here. So for that three noses for me, can but, I, can I give it 2.5? Cause I feel real oh. bad. Now. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. that was a struggle. I was like, dang it. We'll give, we'll give you uh, two Pennywise, uh, clown noses and one little, uh, mini shrunken head. Uh, yes, for yes, yes, yeah. yes, that's fair. Well, you know, the creep show is going to be running on shutter, uh, up until Halloween. Um, so definitely, you know, every Thursday, if you were looking for something spooky, you could find it. Uh, we were going to be doing it week to week, but look, and it has nothing to do with the show. It's just because there is so much fucking Stephen King stuff to go on. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we just, we, we didn't even get to the Institute yet because we're so busy and dairy, you know, covering it. So we got to cover that. We got in the tall grass, which we're going to be talking about next week. We got Dr. Sleep coming around the corner. Yeah. We have castle rock and I've already seen the first episode of that. So 
so much stuff to do. So, and, and it's also Halloween. It's October and we're doing our 31 mm. days of spooky. And, you know, so we've just got too much to do. So we can't, we can't devote, you know, every episode to creep show, but we'll revisit it and maybe we'll talk about it in the, the needful tweets episodes coming forward, especially when the Joe Hill episode comes on. Cause he is actually oh, going, yeah. yeah, his, and that one's going to be directed by uh, Tom Zavini. So oh, no. Okay. So now I yeah. just got excited. I felt the flutter. I felt the flutter. <laughs> yeah. It's still possible. Magic can still happen. Yeah. So we're going to have a lot of stuff going into October. I am so excited. This is my favorite month of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, right after Same. my birthday. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> are, are you, September birthday or no, no. I mean, I'm a July birthday, but oh, like okay. after. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it is. It's my favorite. And honestly, I'm really excited to see how this uh, this 31 days project goes. We're going to be uh, sharing our own little uh, personal blurbs and stuff on our Instagram or our Facebook or our Twitter. So follow us there. Um, and we're also going to be making little um, custom videos with it. That's going to have like the trailer and everything. I made this ridiculous frame that shows Eddie in like the projector room. So you're going to have like the, you know, the little trailers with it and it's all going to be leading to Halloween. And in addition to all our weekly episodes that we're going to be having in addition to our sister show, Halloweeny. So look, if you are into horror movies, you're into Stephen King, this is, you're, you're in a great place. So what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Indeed. (laughs) So where can they find you though? You know, plug away. If you have something that you got going on this month, this is your chance to, to put it on the stage for our constant listeners. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Underalls, U-N-D-E-R-A-L-L-S, like the stuff you wear under your pants. So I make <laughs> jokes about weird, horrible things. Um, I also am uh, uh, producing a, a horror comedy sketch comedy team for IO Chicago right now uh, called Postmortem. Um, I think you can find us on Instagram at Postmortem Sketch and on Facebook at Postmortem Sketch. We got one up right now. We got another one coming soon. It's almost like a short horror comedy film. Um, and we'll definitely share them, too. Yeah, so uh, awesome. I, I, I hope that it's good because <laughs> no, we, we just shot it and I haven't seen the cut of the second one yet. But I, I feel like we're, we got some stuff. I'll stop talking. That's all. <laughs> uh, I don't really have too much to plug. I mean, uh, my sister and I are working on a uh, podcast to hopefully drop by the end of the year Ooh. about uh, brown people in fa- fantasy and fiction and sci-fi and horror. Because, you know, I, growing up, I, you hear most of the quote unquote greats, but it's, you know, within a specific dome of uh, people. Yeah. So we're kind of exploring that world and like writers out there and like oh, TV cool. shows as well that are like brown people of color yeah but also horror sci-fi genre because that's stuff i love yeah um so i'll hopefully start tweeting about that soon uh under bacon source sex that's my uh twitter name thank you. <laughs> do you do you have a title for the podcast yet or uh i'm not a peach crayon oh, oh i love that i like yeah. that i like that a lot so. Well, we'll definitely be promoting that on our socials for sure. Be sure to follow us on Losers Club Pod. I think that's what it's called. But either way, you can look for Losers Club Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, Facebook. Um, I think that's it. But uh, And you can find me at Michael Rothman on Twitter. And I usually post many gifs of Jesse Pinkman because I'm obsessed with <laughs> El Camino uh, coming out on October 11th on Netflix. No, we're not sponsored by them either. <laughs> and you can find me at uh, Blue Seattle on Instagram. And that is a reference to a title card that is in Cameron Crow singles and that has nothing to do with this podcast. But what does have to do with this podcast is that we are all in it together and we are in it together over long, long days, days and, and pleasant, pleasant nights. nights.
Consequence Podcast Network.